Here we go. It's December the 12th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be talking about readings from the fourth Sunday in Advent, which is coming up this December the 18th in the year of our Lord, 2022. The Old Testament reading is Isaiah 7. The epistle is Romans 1, and the gospel is Matthew 1. Now, what I find interesting is, in my considerate opinion, the best theological books of the Old Testament and the New Testament are here. The best theological book in the Old Testament, which talks about the theology of Christianity, is Isaiah. And the best in the New Testament is Romans. Now, other pastors may disagree, have other views, but if you read these two books, you really get a great sense of the meaning of Christianity. For example, in Isaiah 7, this is where the Lord says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then in the Matthew, chapter 1, where it says very clearly, verse 21, that Joseph is told in a dream, Joseph, son of Mary, uh, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. And then all this took place, it says in verse 22, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, and that's Isaiah. And verse 23 quotes Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And that is what we confess in the creed, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. The text we're going to look at more closely right now, though, is the epistle reading from Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, from the English, you don't see what Paul is really saying to a great degree. He says, a servant of Christ Jesus. Servant, it's the word for slave, doulos. In other words, he's willing to be the servant of Christ Jesus to the point where he is willing to be his slave, following the will of Christ Jesus. The word Christ refers to the Hebrew word Messiah, the promised one. And Jesus is the name given to Mary by Gabriel, and that means he will save us. It's really the Old Testament, Joshua. And Christ Jesus, he says, I'm the servant of. Called to be an apostle. Now, remember, there were 
12 disciples, but Judas fell. Uh, Another one was put in his place. But Paul was also called to be an apostle. Remember when that occurred? It was on the road to Damascus when he was getting ready to persecute Christians and even put them to death. Wow. Why would God call him to be an apostle? Because God doesn't think like human beings think. No, human beings, we think according to our heart, which means we think this is what is good for me. Uh, The book of Proverbs indicates that anytime we do something, we always think it is pure. But God doesn't look at the deed. He looks at the motivation, it says in Proverbs. And therefore, for an unbeliever, there are no pure good works in God's eyes because a pure good work has to be a gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, they're called fruit of the Holy Spirit. Unbelievers, their motivation is always sinful because they want to look good to others because they want to feel good about themselves. Maybe they need uh, a tax exemption. Who knows the reasons why they can be generous with their money. But it is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So Paul also says he's not only the slave of Christ Jesus, not only called to be an apostle, but he's set apart for the gospel of God. Now, this is really a most interesting statement because he explains it in verse 2. The gospel of God, which he, God, promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son. Now, this is where law and gospel It's a huge difference. The prophets and John the baptizer being the last prophet used the law to accomplish their mission. And what was their mission? We've said it a number of times. It was to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. Now, what Jesus was bringing was the forgiveness of sins. And therefore, people needed to become aware that they were sinners, unable to offset their sins, to balance them off, even with good works. That was not possible. And therefore, according to Daniel, the book of Daniel, God, the Ancient of Days, the Father, sent his Son, Jesus, the Son of Man, to earth for the purpose of saving the world from sins. John the baptizer knew that. Behold, the Lamb of God, who has come to take away the sins of the world. But his message was one of repentance in preparation for the coming of the Savior. Because as we repent of our sins, we are then prepared to receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins. I can't think of any sin I ever did that I hated doing when I was doing the sin. No, 
you don't hate doing the sin. That's why you do the sin, because you enjoy doing it. And like Adam and Eve, every sin we do is a way in which we want to become God, that we want to become just as important as God. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do it myself. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we soon recognize that what we have done, said, or thought is a sin before Almighty God. And if you read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, you will find out that God makes no distinction between sins of deed, sins of word, or sins of thought. They all should result in eternal condemnation. In the day that you sin, death is the result. Now that death can be the death of the person eternally in hell forever. Or because of the great wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son, from before the foundation of the earth, before the creation of the world and the universe, God had decided that his son would become flesh. In fact, that's also what Romans 1 continues saying. It talks about that Jesus Christ, he talked about the gospel, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. What is that gospel? The gospel is that Jesus was sent into the flesh in order to die, and that at the crucifixion, the most important item that took place was that he was what? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, the original Aramaic, which Jesus spoke at the cross, can be translated as, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? That's what God the Father did. Jesus was all alone on the cross. There was no angel to help him as God the Father had given him in the Garden of Gethsemane. There were no disciples. They had all fled. Even his mother and other women on the third day of his death, they were not coming to see him rise from the dead. They were coming to anoint his dead body. Even though he had said that, yes, I will rise from the dead in three days, he was alone. He was frustrated. He was indeed, well, divided from the Father. The greatest pain that he could endure. Now, we know that he was flesh because verse 3 of Romans 1 says, concerning his son. Now, his is God the Father. And the Bible speaks of Jesus being the only begotten son, which means he is of one substance with the Father, as our creeds say. He was divine. 
He is divine. That's clear from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Nothing was created that was not created by the Word. And verse 14 makes it very clear that the Word is referring to Jesus Christ because it says he became flesh among us. According to verse 3, he was descended from David according to the flesh. So Jesus had two natures, divine and human. His divine nature was identical to that of God the Father. He was God. He had all the characteristics of God, as did God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He was omnipresent, which means he was everywhere. He was omniscient, which means he knew all things. And and therefore, he was omnipotent, which means he was all-powerful. Jesus continued as God, even when he was in the flesh. But according to the flesh, he was the begotten son of Mary and the Holy Spirit. In fact, he was declared to be the son of God, according to verse 4, in power, according to the spirit of holiness, and also by his resurrection from the dead. The resurrection from the dead is a way in which we have been rescued. On Wednesday night, Advent, we're taking a look at the way God has rescued us through his incarnation, that is by his becoming flesh, through his crucifixion, that is by being forsaken or abandoned by the Father, and now by his resurrection. And Wednesday, we're going to be talking about the true meaning of the resurrection. We're going to repeat that sermon that I'll be giving at four congregations on Wednesday, Advent. We'll be repeating it on Friday. So tune in Friday to hear what the important thing is about the resurrection from the dead. Now, one thing that even Romans 1 says, Jesus Christ is our Lord. That means he's God. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship. Now that's Paul speaking. Through Jesus Christ, he received grace. Remember on the road to Damascus? He was struck and fell off his horse. He was blinded and wondered, who was this? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. By the grace of Jesus Christ, which means Paul received something that he did not deserve, and that was the apostleship from God himself to be an apostle to the Gentiles. Remember in those days, Many Jews did not like the Gentiles. 
They considered them to be Sadducees because they had intermarried with people who were not believers and had begun to follow their gods. Now, God punished them by sending them into Babylonian captivity, which moved them to repent of their sins and ask God to bring them back to Jerusalem, which he did and rebuilt the temple. Not as great a temple as had been Solomon's, but at least one in which they could worship and in which Herod even did more work so that by the time of Jesus, it was a beautiful building, which Jesus said, not one stone will be left upon another. And he, what he did, promised the destruction of the temple and also the capture of Jerusalem by the soldiers. Now he said that when in his 30s, and it wasn't until A.D. 70 that that was fulfilled when the Romans came in. But getting back to Romans 1, through Jesus Christ our Lord, Paul says, through whom we have received grace and apostleship. But then he tells the reason why he was received grace and apostleship, to bring about the obedience, now one would expect he would say the obedience of works because that's what every other religion in the world teaches. But no, it says very clearly to bring about the obedience of faith. Now what does it mean to obey faith? Well, faith is trust in the glorious promises of the gospel. Remember that promise he gave to the thief on the cross. Today, you shall be with me in paradise. It's a promise he gives to every believer who has faith in Jesus Christ, that on the day of your death, you will be in paradise in the spirit, and you will be with Jesus, awaiting the day when your body will be raised from the dead. And it doesn't matter if your body is in the ground or if it's in the sea and was eaten by fish or whatever, God will restore your body on the day of judgment so that in body and spirit, you will be with Jesus forever and ever in heaven. The obedience of faith means that we not only hear the promises of God, but that we trust them. We are saved by grace through faith, not on account of works, lest anybody would want to boast about saving themselves. Instead, God has implanted through the Holy Spirit faith in us, and as long as we do not reject that faith, then we get the rewards the benefits, and the comfort of the promises of Jesus Christ. That is what is meant by the obedience of faith. And it continues, for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you 
who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you don't realize that, yes, Jesus did call Paul to be an apostle, but he also called every believer to be a disciple. And he did that not through the teaching of the law, as was the Old Testament prophets doing, but through the teaching of the gospel, which Jesus made clear in his ministry. Remember, there are Bible passages that say, wow, Jesus spoke with authority, not as the scribes. Now, what is meant by that? Well, the scribes would actually quote other scribes, and they would not speak with authority things that were new about the gospel. And they misquoted many in the Old Testament, giving the impression that it is by your works that you are saved, by your good works. But an unbeliever never can have the proper motivation for a good work. And therefore, it is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit, because only the Holy Spirit can properly motivate a good work. And that comes about when you receive faith. Therefore, you also have been called to a special relationship with God. You may not be an apostle, but you are a disciple. You are the called, and therefore, according to verse 6, you belong to Jesus Christ, which means you will be with him eternally in heaven. In fact, Paul is writing to the Romans. So in verse 7, he says, To all those in Rome who are loved by God, and called to be saints. Now, when were you called to be saints? Well, God does it through his means of grace. His means of grace is that which he uses to bring faith into your heart and fulfill the wonderful words of David. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. When David was receiving that new heart and new faith, he was able to write tremendous psalms, one of the most important, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so he was called also to be a saint. The word saint means that he was declared by God to be righteous, which is necessary in order to get to heaven. Oh yes, we're still sinners, but at the same time, we are also saints in God's eyes. And what counts is how God looks at us, not how we look at ourselves or others. So, so, if you are called to be a saint, and that occurs through the means of grace, either when you have been baptized 
into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or when you hear the word of God, and there are many passages in the Bible, even from the Old Testament, such as from Isaiah, that by his stripes we are healed, and the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. He suffered, he died, he was deserted by God the Father, he was abandoned. Why? Because he was given the task of dying all by himself for the sins of the world. And God the Father recognized that it was for everyone else's sins because he was not dying for his own sins. He was sinless. But God had declared him to be a sinner. And Jesus knew that. That's why he was baptized by John the baptizer with a baptism of repentance, not repenting of his own sins, but the sins of you. So Paul concludes this section of Romans 1, 1 to 7, with this wonderful statement to the Christians in Rome. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That grace, which means you get what you don't deserve. You don't deserve the forgiveness of sins. In fact, a lot of times when people do something wrong, they attempt to do something right to balance out their sins. And they think, therefore, well, I deserve forgiveness now because of what I have done. But no, to do something good in order to get rid of your sins is a sin because it neglects to recall that Jesus did everything good to get rid of your sins. So, during this Christmas season, we look forward to the birth of Jesus. And on tomorrow's Law and Gospel with Pastor Mark Smith, we will take a look at the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We'll explain what that means. I'm Tom Baker. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.